excited to be in church this morning. Come on, it's good to be here with each one of you. Do you love Jesus today? What a powerful moment we had there, singing and worshiping together. I love these moments. I believe that we should cherish them and don't take them for granted. I think there's a lot of things in life that we kind of have. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we allow them to just be overlooked as for what they are, but I enjoy having moments where we can pause and reflect and have those times together. There's a lot of things going on at the Avenue. Welcome, as Pastor James said, to, uh, to the Avenue. If you're new here, do us a favor, and on your seat, you'll see an orange Connect card. Take a moment and fill this out. On the back, you can check some boxes, and we will respond to you via email uh, to answer any questions you have. Just to let you know, also, it was good to have you here this morning. Do me a favor. When you exit today, as you leave, there's a next steps table to your right, and you can put this or hand this to someone over there, put this in the box there, and when you do, we'd love to give you a gift just as our way of saying thanks for being here with us this morning. There's a lot going on at the Avenue. Let me give you a little snapshot at what we have going on, and then we'll dive into part two of our new Christmas series. There's an angel tree set up in the lobby, and we'd love for everybody to participate. All you got to do is grab one of those angel paper ornaments off of there. It'll give you the information. It's all there. Bring it home, get it together, bring it back, and we'll get it to the child. Um, one of the stories I heard on this morning was a girl who was 14. She's pregnant, and she's looking for some items for her baby. So there are plenty of needs on there. There's a lot of people less fortunate uh, that are looking, the kids. And so take some time and take it out maybe of your Christmas budget to give to somebody we don't know, and that somebody will not be giving a gift back to you easy to give a gift to somebody that you know is going to give you a gift in exchange. Be generous and give to somebody that doesn't have the opportunity to right now as we lean into them as well. We also have a coat drive going on out there in the lobby. for, coat for uh, We're partnering with Mission Northeast and Speed Sports, the three of us. And so blankets, coats, socks, uh, new or barely used, bring them, drop them off, and we'll get the delivery done to get over to them. We've done this annually now every year, and so we love partnering with them and what they're doing. Also, we have our legacy offering happening today and next Sunday. So we've been telling you about this for several weeks now, and our legacy offering is a time when we get to give over and above our regular tithe, over what we've already scheduled out to give, and so we ask everybody to participate. There's not a dollar amount. There's not a number or goal we're trying to hit. There's not something that is out there that we're saying, hey, we need to meet this budget by the end of the year. We're just uh, receiving an offering at the end of the year, giving thanks for how good God has been to us this year, and then also believing as we sow into next year, before it's here, that, we, that God has something there for us, some favor, something special, some blessing there. And so we have three lanes that you can give in. So we ask you to pray about these lanes, pray about these things that we have. One of those is giving to the avenue for present needs, things that we have going on right now here in this space, items that might need to be refreshed, items that need to be updated, also things around here that we just are going without but we could use and so just lean into those. We don't want to take those items out of the budget. And so at the end of the year, we say, hey, would you want to lean in, give an offering to cover some of those? Then also we have our future, which is our land and uh, building uh, fund that we're trying to rate, continue to hold money in a, in a holding space and raising money for that. Um, and so you can give towards that lane as well. It's a popular place that people like to give towards. And then also a missional thing that we're doing is providing a box and a Bible to families in Israel that are affected by the war there. So we're partnering with our mission partner there, and they're taking care of the legwork. $60 a box. If every family did a box, we'd meet. This is the one area we do have a goal. The one lane that we have a goal that we're trying to do 50 boxes at $60 a piece. So we would give to that. 
as well, and you and your family. It may be a conversation you have with your kids where you just say, hey, kids, I know that we have this on our Christmas list this year, but one of these things, angel tree or a box in a Bible in Israel, we're going to take that and use the money towards that and provide for this family that's in need. As a family, we're going to contribute and do this together. Last night, Tara and I gave towards the uh, Israel thing, and then we will also give into the legacy offering in one of those lanes that we feel compelled. Couples, I ask you to pray together. And we're not asking you to do anything that we're not doing ourselves. It's a great time at the end of the year to give back to, work, to God through the church for what he's doing. Amen? So all that said, lots of things happening. Growth Track is also happening tonight. So if you want to be a part of Growth Track, what is that? It's simply a place where you get to kind of uh, become a part of the church and then also discover things about you and the gifts that you have, how God created you, and you can move into um, move those gifts into serving him as well because you are made uniquely special for you uh, in your context. God made you the way that you are and you need to know what that is and how he wants to use that in your life. Growth Track is a place you can do it. You can sign up online at myavenue.church forward slash growth track or you can see Pastor Brandon or Lori and they'll give you the information this evening at 6 o'clock. We began a series last week called Coming Home for Christmas and in this series we talked about it's a little different, a little bit of an unorthodox Christmas series. We really haven't read the Christmas narrative yet, and we're not going to do it this morning. You could do it on your own. You could do it any time. We will, we will read it at some point, but I really tried to pull out a little bit more of this Christmas season as the more I leaned into it. And this morning's message was not what I planned on doing. I had a whole different direction I was going, and then over the, this past weekend, it, it shifted very much so, and I landed here because this is a place that we can all feel. It's a place we can all understand. It's a place that we all need spoken into. It may not come across as that exciting. You may not need a seatbelt this morning. The same. However, I think it will really help strengthen and support you. I think it will really help pick us up and give us some boundaries, some guidelines, some framework to put our lives into this box and understand how to handle this thing. Because the holidays can be so refreshing. They can be so much fun. They can be like, man, what a great time. And we can be so excited. But for some reason, as a child, you're just like, oh, I love Christmas. I get all these gifts. We get to get off school. We get to go to these places. So we have this built-in thought in our minds of how great they are. And the older we get, the more we realize it's a lot of work. It costs me a lot of money. I've got to do things I don't have to do all year long. I got to see people I don't want to see, and I got to act like I like it. There's stress involved in the holidays. Can we all agree? The holidays are stressful. They are. People were polled, and they said, how many of y'all feel like Christmas season is stressful? The poll came back to say, 74% of people said Christmas is stressful. 55% of those people said it was the most stressful holiday there was. So I want to lean into this this morning. I want to lean into how to enjoy the holidays and not be stressed out. I'll give you some tools, some keys. I'm going to read you a lot of stats here in a moment to build up an understanding of where this is coming from. Because I think in a church our size, we have a lot of people represented and if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll be like, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. And there is not a lot of happy 
and Mary going on in here. And we need to figure out why, uproot it, and then build a foundation that when we get to this place in life, we understand why we're so excited for it. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7 is our, our verse for this series. It says, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Here we go. Rooted and built up in Him. Oh, we build on a lot of things. We build on a lot of plans, a lot of schemes, a lot of ideas, a lot of concepts, a lot of people, a lot of gifts, a lot of talents. But you can only build on Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. That's what I want to be. What do I want to be for Christmas? Overflowing with thankfulness that is genuine. It's real. Authentic. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you today for your word, for your life. You said your, your burden was light. Lord, it would come to us and it would not overwhelm us. It would not wear us out when we partnered with you. When we were carrying your yoke. So Lord, I pray this morning you would lift the burden off of people and we would realize that we could step into this space of freedom. We thank you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? All right. Let me give you a couple stats here as we kick this thing off. Uh, the number one holiday stress in America, we all know it, is money. 48 plus percent of people said the number one stress that they feel at Christmas time is money. The number two, after that, here we go. 18 and a half percent of people said the number two stress on them was family gatherings. Anybody? Oh. You just, you, your family's here too, and you're like. <laughs> people said shopping, traveling, work, cooking, parties, hosting parties. The number two thing was at eight and a half percent. Disrupted routine. I like my schedule. I like to know where I'm going to be, when I'm going to be there. And when you disrupt that, it's stressful for me. Anybody? When, when we get to this place, we know all of a sudden we've got to show up. We've got to smile. We're going to be up later. we got all these different things. And what does it do? It affects us internally. 44% of people said they have more stress right now than they did one year ago. One-fifth of those people call it extreme stress, and say they suffer from shaking and insomnia. 60% of our sicknesses are rooted in our stress. There's a lot of sickness going around right now, and some of those things are rooted even in the fact that we have this stress that's mounting inside of us. So what do we do? What do we do? Because over 30% of women said that their health and their sleep were worse in the holiday season than the rest of the year. 25% of men said that was the case. My health is worse. My sleep is less. So we need a fix. We need a help. We need a solution. We don't need a fix to just get us through, but I need to put something in place right now. So I made a list. I made a list of things in my life and, and in your lives that I just kind of look around and just knowing these things create stress. Pretty simple, pretty practical. Here we go. Not in any particular order. It's just what I, I, I listed them. Number one, being married. can be stressful. Not being married can be stressful. Either way you look at it, 
And it's not the spouse or not having a spouse. It's the idea. It's the pressure. It's the weight. It's the expectations. It's the things that come with either one of those two categories you fall in. Because even inside of it, Darren and I were talking about this last week, like we feel different stresses inside this marriage. We are by no means exempt. Like this is something that we're all walking through. So we've got to find out a way to stop faking our way through the holidays and start enjoying it. Start loving it. Start anticipating it. Deadlines. Work on job. Homework. Gosh, I hate doing my kids' homework. Stressful. I retired from math homework when Frankie got to fourth grade. Done. Luca's in fourth grade. Guess who helps Luca with his homework in math? My teenager. I don't know what he's going to do when he goes off to college. One of y'all want to volunteer. It's stressful for me. I don't know how that stuff. Legal issues, divorce, new job, old job, no job, sick, kids sick, finances, parenting, expectations. Everybody's got an expectation of you, for you. It's stuff that only God can deliver. They want me to do it. Unresolved sin, still carrying around shame or guilt. You entered 2023 thinking, this is my year. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to be that way any longer. I'm going to make the changes in my life. And now in December of the same year, you're looking at your life going, I still do that. I'm still that way. And it can be stressful, frustrating, and discouraging because you haven't looked at your life and gone, but I haven't made the changes yet I wanted to. And you could almost lose hope and not have a resolve that God can still bring you freedom. So that's just stress on all sides. So what do we do? What do we do? Here's the words of Jesus. I hope this encourages you. Here we go. Ready? Jesus said, I have told you all this. So he gave him about a two-chapter sermon in John 14, 15. We're in 16 right now. And he said, I've told you all this that you might know. In me, you can have peace. Why? Because in the world, you will have trouble. Jesus, is that supposed to encourage us? There is an American gospel. There is a false narrative out there that if you step into Christianity, all your problems dissolve and go away. If you have fallen into that lie, let me help set you free. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm being very serious. Let me help set you free this morning. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble, stress, frustrations, disappointments. But, but I have overcome the world. What beautiful words of Jesus. This should encourage you that yes, you will have all this going on, but he's overcome it. Y'all know anybody that they always one-up everything you do? One-up what you say? One up whatever it is that you're in a conversation and they listen, but then they counter and their kids did this other thing. And you're like, can't you celebrate my kids? Why you got to bring your kids into it? We're getting real this morning. I don't know how excited you're going to be about it, but we're just going to get real. You're probably going to see this person at a holiday event and gather right now, this season. And you probably just had them come to mind. Like, they just always one up everything. 
Oh, man, we went down to the zoo and saw the lights the other night as a family. It was beautiful. We loved it. It was a great time. Oh, you did? Well, we went to Finland and saw the northern lights. Oh, we needed a car. We got a car. Finally, you know, we were dealing with some situation with a vehicle, and the warranty expired, so we got a new vehicle. It's a couple years old, got low miles, though, and God really blessed us. Oh, we got a new car. That's great. Did you know my dad just bought United Airlines? Like the whole, all of it, the whole fleet, all these planes and jets. Like you just meet this person, and they, they top you with everything, everything. doesn't matter the scenario you present. Like they've got a better story. But in a way, this is Jesus. You can't sleep at night. You can have peace. I've overcome the world. Kids going crazy. You can have peace. I've overcome the world. Falling on hard times. You can have peace. I've overcome the world. Things in life, job falling apart. You can have peace. I've over. It's like he tops it. Here's your situation. He tops it. Here's your scenario. He tops it. Here's what you're going through. He's topped it. I've overcome the world. And when you partner with him, you should be able to expect not you will have problems, but you will have a peace in him that you have partnered with the one that has overcome the situation you're facing. Now hear me. It doesn't mean you get a check in the mail overnight. It doesn't mean your spouse gets figured out by the time you wake up in the morning. It does mean that in the middle of what you're going through, you can have peace. Peace is not a destination. Peace is in the process. The first service didn't get that. That just came to me. Peace is not something you work towards that at the end of the road, when you finally survive and get through whatever's stressing you out, you arrive at peace. Jesus promises peace in the moment you need it, not an escape clause. He doesn't promise you an out and go, oh, I'll fix it all. He promises you, I'll be with you in it all. You can have peace and you can have joy in the situation. You ever met a Christian? You're like, what are you so happy about? You broke. What are you so happy about? Everything in your world is falling apart. They have tapped into a partnership with Jesus where they realize, I have overcome the world. I love that thought of him. David says this in Psalm 34, the Old, old Testament. Go back, go back in the Old Testament. The psalmist, he wrote this. He said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, of the saved, of the believer, of the Christian. Many are the afflictions of them, but, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. This word affliction is a Hebrew word that they derive from an Assyrian form of torture. So if you were found guilty of a crime and they said you are to die from affliction, we wouldn't understand that. We don't go to the doctor and he says, why are you here today? I've got some affliction. Like it's not a word we use every day. No, no, how's your affliction doing? How's that case of affliction you got there? It's not something we use. It's not in our language, but it's a word that the Hebrews used so when David says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, we should understand what this word means. So it is from the Assyrian form of torture and punishment. So what they would do was they would tie someone to a post, 
They'd bind them and tie them to a post. Then they would take boulders and stones and rocks, and they would begin at their feet and pile them up piece by piece upon them to the point that they eventually got up to the chest, to the shoulders, to the head, and it would suffocate this person, and they would die under the strain and the pressure of all of this of these rocks mounted against them, against the post, there was no escape, and they would suffocate and die under the weight of the affliction, the stress. And that's the picture of some of you. That it feels like every day, something else. There's another rock, there's another boulder, there's another stone being placed around me, and I can't get out. I go to the doctor, another bad report. Another day, another fight. Another day, another bill. Every day seems like there's another boulder. That's why David said, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the stresses. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. He is the answer. He is the way out. If you're looking for self-help, if you're looking for coping mechanisms, if you're looking for me to give you a way to get a new thought pattern, in, I don't know it. I don't study it. I can't give you. What I can give you this morning, as Pastor James says, is Jesus. In your situation, in your life, you came to a church, I can present to you this. But it's not just as simple as I can just, let me give you some practical steps that Jesus walks us through on how to relieve some of the stresses and move some of those boulders and those rocks away so we can begin to live and breathe again. Because I want this holiday season to be one I enjoy, not endure. It's your choice. You can endure it and know the New Year's coming got through another one. 11 more months, so I got to do that again. Spend that money again, see them again. Or I can find joy in it. David said this. He said, find my soul in God alone. Psalm 62, find rest my soul in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. It doesn't depend on people. It doesn't depend on their opinion of me. It doesn't depend on what they think of me. It doesn't depend on the gift I give them. It doesn't depend on the gift they give me. It doesn't depend if I show up at their party. My dependence is on God. He is my rock, my mighty rock and my refuge. I will trust in him at all times. Oh, people. It's like, oh, Avenue Church. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge, Selah. Oh, we don't hear that word a lot. If you thought afflictions was unusual, Selah. Say it with me. Selah. Five letters. Most of us don't even know what it means. It's okay. I'll tell you. It simply is a Hebrew word. It's a musical term. That when you came across it, because these psalms, remember, were, were songs as well that they would sing, they'd use. And when you came to it, it's used 77 times in the psalms. And when you come to Selah, you would stop, relax, and reflect. You'd consider what you just read. It was like a stop sign, and then look behind you and study. Think about, where does that apply to my life? Because many times we would read through it. We'd get to the end of verse 8, and we'd keep going to verse 9. So they'd put this word Salah in there as if to say, stop, rest, and consider. Consider what? 
Consider trusting in him at all times. Oh, people of the avenue, pour out your heart to him, for God is our refuge. Oh, it means more when you read it the second time. It goes deeper when you relax, you consider it, when you think it through. And I think oftentimes we get so busy, we don't have moments of Selah. We don't have these moments. And I'm going to encourage you, if you're just busy, work is so much, deadlines to meet, people feel greedy all around you, give this, give that, be here, be there, you've got to find a moment to just say Selah. Black Earth, maybe it's five minutes, maybe it's five seconds. Maybe it's five hours. But you can just look back and see the goodness of God in your life up to that point. Practice these things. See, life is made up, in my mind, life is made up of four things. Like our, our lives come together and they're held together, they're founded upon. The chair you're sitting on has four legs. And on that four legs sit a platform that you can rest on. So if I can use that metaphor to explain our lives, our lives, the four legs that hold us up, time, money, communication, relationship. Time, money, communication, relationship. These four things are the platform I can sit down on, I can rest on, I can build my life, my family, my every, everything is built on these four things. I don't have time to tackle all four this morning. But these four things, when out of order, create high levels and measures of stress in our lives. Time, money, relationships, communication. Anyway, you miscommunicate with somebody, you argue, I didn't say it that way, I didn't mean it that way. Why did you hear it like that? It's a stressful moment that if not dealt with, becomes more stress compounded on the next moment. So we've got to figure out how do we work through these things. This morning, I want to deal with two of them, time and money. We're going to deal with the relational side in the whole month of February, and we're going to deal with communication next year as well. But time and money, because these are the two biggest ones that our graph told us were the biggest stresses in the holiday season. Time. Much of our stress comes from our use of time. Let me set you free you can't do everything you're currently doing and expect to be less stressful. Basic math. You cannot do everything you're doing and expect to be less stressful. Learn this powerful two-letter word with me. N-O-N-O. Say it together. I felt good, didn't it? Say it again. No. Say it with some more authority. No. Don't say it mean, but just say it boldly. No. You want to go to that holiday party? No. <laughs> Somebody don't beat me to it. <laughs> you want to go see people you don't really like? No. You want to spend money you don't have? No. You've got to learn how to say no as a boundary. This is my life. Because when you say no... You're enabling yourself to say yes. But when you say yes to everything and don't have a no, exhaustion, stress. And some of us have been so busy, and you feel the burden, and you feel the pressure. 
I'm not saying you're out of line. Yeah, I, I, I can do that. I want to do that. I want to be there. It's not always negative, like we don't want to go. It, sometimes it is, I want to go. I want to be there. That's what I want to. Listen, I'd love to be in Colorado skiing the week after Christmas. However, saying yes to that means I got to say no to a whole lot more. So I'm not prepared to exchange the two. So for now, that's a no, but it empowers me to say yes to other things. It doesn't make things wrong or right. They can be neutral, but you've got to choose what fits you right now and be able to say no. When Luca came into our lives, he was the first time we had a newborn in the house. And I was a huge recreational sports guy. Like, I just love playing sports. When we got married, I played sports every night till we got married, and I said, I'll, I'll back off some. And then when we got a newborn, I, I said, I'll play twice a week or something. No, no, I'm sorry, I was playing twice a week. When we had Luca, I said, I'll quit it altogether. And for two years, I didn't play recreational sports. Now, I might play a pickup game here or there if somebody needs something, and it was okay. But my commitment to be in a league, to be a part, was no, because I wanted to say yes to being a husband and a father that I needed to be in the home. So I had to give a no to the thing that I wanted to do that I spent 35 years doing, but now I could no longer do so that I could empower my yes to be who I was created to be and actually I wanted to be. I want to be a good father. I want to be a great husband. But the tension between the two would have caused so much stress in the home, I couldn't say yes to everything, so I had to create boundaries. And you've done the same thing. But when we let those walls down, things begin to leak. Things become falling apart. What are your priorities? How do you prioritize your life? If you thought, I'm going to give you another word. If you thought affliction was an old word that's kind of out of date, here's one for you you may find really out of date. Sabbath. I didn't think we were talking about the Sabbath in Christmas time. Sabbath. What is that, a band? <laughs> Sabbath. It's a day God created for rest. So God, awesome, gracious, patient, loving God, so cares about you that he said, I'm going to create a week of seven days. You're going to work for six, but one, you need to rest. And when we violate the Sabbath and we work on that seventh day because I got to get this job done, I got to meet this deadline, I've got to do what I got to do, I can make more income if I work seven days a week, we are violating the very thing that God set in place in our lives. He has created, listen, he created all we see in the world for six days. He did not stop creating on the seventh day. On day seven, he created rest. God took a day off from his labor. If God could take a day off from making the world, I can take a day off from making a little bit of money. They asked Jesus one time, they said, Jesus, your disciples are 
plucking grains of wheat on the side of the road on the Sabbath. They're violating the Sabbath. And Jesus said to him, man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. This should not be a rule and a burden to you that you got to go, oh, it's another box I got to check. Now I got to make sure I'm obeying God about the Sabbath. This should be a blessing to you that refreshes you and gives you the reprieve from stress that you feel. If you're working as much as possible seven days a week, I challenge you to pull back one day to six, give it all you want, give it all you can inside of that, whatever that boundary looks like for you, it's different for everybody, but that one day, so how do you define the Sabbath? Because for each of us, it's a little different. For most people, it's a weekend, it's Saturday or Sunday, and you find it in that. For, for us now, New Testament believers, it's Sunday. It's, we would broadly define the Sabbath as Sunday. In the Jewish customs, it was Saturday. It was the last day of the week. Now in the New Testament, we define it as Sunday because Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week. So we move it to Sunday, and it's also now a day that we go, hey, before my week even begins, I'm going to give you the first part of my time, and I'm going to rest now so that the rest of the week I can give it all I have. See, when you violate the Sabbath, you begin to tell God, I need to do more than you can provide for me. So rest is found inside of this Sabbath moment. God created it for us, but oftentimes we're not fulfilling it. We wonder why we're so stressed out, why we're so overwhelmed, because we're not managing our time. Time is like a budget. How do you spend your time? Number two, time is one, money is two. Money. Are we taking care of it? Where is it going? What is it being spent on? Basic questions that we should all be prepared and able to answer. Sometimes we make so much money, we don't feel compelled to watch it as it leaves. Sometimes we don't make enough money, and we have no idea where it goes when it leaves. It should be something that we are managing and stewarding well enough that we know where it's going and where it's staying. The conversation should not always be where is it going. Sometimes it should be where is it staying. Because listen to these stats. In America, right now, holiday season, the average person will spend $1,652 on Christmas. $1,652 will be spent on average this Christmas. And society tells us spend more. Now, I'm not telling you, you should have a budget. You should have a budget for Christmas. 25% of Americans still have debt this year from last year. One-third of Americans will pay for Christmas on credit. This is a problem. This is why we have financial stresses. This is why right now people don't enjoy and look forward to it because we feel obligated. Well, I know that I'm going to a party and they're going to give me a gift of this amount, so I have to match it. We have to be able to say no. I love giving gifts. If you ever took the five love languages test, gift giving is my number one. Love it. I love receiving gifts, in case you're wondering. I love to give gifts. It's the way I speak love to people, through the exchange of gifts. One year, I was not able to do so. There was a year before I was married. 
broke, broke. Like, broke, broke. I just didn't have money to buy gifts for family and friends. So I had to tell them, I can't do it this year. You know how vulnerable that makes you? How shameful that could be? So I said, I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to get a Christmas card for everybody and hand wrote them front and back of that Christmas card a letter, put it in the envelope, and gave it to everybody that I would have given a gift to. You don't feel obligated to give me anything. This is where I'm at in life right now, but this is what I can give you. And for me, it was one of my most memorable Christmases because it wasn't about the dollar amount I put on the gift. It was about the thought the heart, and me highlighting what makes that person special in my life. What value do they add to me? You may have to do that this year. You may have to look at somebody and go, hey, we're not doing gifts. Love Christmas. It's not because we're Grinches and Scrooges and not into it all. But we're still paying things off from last year. And this year is just not a good year. Listen, here's a goal. 2024, get debt free. What a wonderful goal. Not a grand illusion. It is possible. You can be debt free. You can get to a place where you are debt free. It takes work and discipline. And it takes you being intentional. And it takes, if you're married, both people with the same goal. You cannot be, well, one of us wants to be debt-free and the other one wants to be, you fill in the blank. So you got to have this in mind. When Tara and I became debt-free, it changes the stress level in the home. She could tell you, for me, money could just be a, a stressor. For guys, it could just be like, oh, because it's a burden. It's a providing. It's, it's all these things. And I'm not telling you that to brag. I'm telling you that because it's possible and I want to lead you. That you can be there. If you'll make two goals your goal next year, I want to be debt-free. Watch the, mon- watch the stress of money lift off your life. And I want to start tithing. If you're not tithing, if you're not giving God that 10% of your income, there's a reason why you feel stressed. Because he promised I will rebuke the devourer from your life if you'll follow me in this. Listen, how is it possible that I'm going to have less financial stress living on 90% of my income than 100%? It's not. Let me be the first to say, after salvation, tithing is probably the most illogical thing in Scripture. Can we all agree on that? Does not make sense naturally. But it is a step of faith. Because when you step in there, you go, God, I'm going to take a Sabbath, take one day off a week, and not work. God, I'm going to tithe, and I know that you are my source, and so you can provide more for me on that 90 than the 100. It's a step of faith. And he said, when you do that, I will rebuke the devourer. This goes beyond financial blessings. This is not just a financial blessing speech that when you give, then you get this back. No, no. He said he'll rebuke the devourer from your family, from your kids, from your life, from your purpose, from your mission, from your church, from your job, from your business. He would rebuke him from coming in to steal, 
kill, and destroy everything you hold dear. But some of us have all this stress on us because we won't commit tithing. So my challenge is, consider it. Look it up. Jeremiah 6.16 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. What are they? The God's principles. God's principles. Ask about God's principles, God's ways, God's standards. And ask, where is the good way? And when you see God's principles, walk in it. And what will be the result? You will find rest for your souls. Translation, lower stress. But you have said, we will not walk in it. And I think that's what some of you are saying. I'm not going to try that, Pastor. I am not going to do it. I would love to help you reduce the stress so that you can enjoy the holiday season. If money and time are two of the greatest stressors, these are biblical principles that you can apply to go, we're lowering that thing. The keyboardist is playing, which is, means I'm about out of time. Let me give you three quick thoughts. I might get to two of them, I might get to one of them. I won't go over my time. Write these down. The faster you write, the faster I'll tell you. Here we go. Number one, live life on purpose. Three principles to find rest and start living stress-free. Live on purpose. Jesus said there's a treasure in the field, but it's hidden. And when a man found it, he hid it again. In his joy, he went, sold everything else he had, and he bought that field. And I think you could say that treasure is your purpose. Because when you tap into your purpose why you were created, what you're called to do. When you get to that place, it will fuel you. It will propel you. It will hydrate you. It'll cause you to move in through things that would normally exhaust you and wear you out and break you and stress you. But now you have something that carries you through. And your purpose. There's a treasure that you can find out there that will energize you. Find it, discover it, and say yes to it. Number two, put first things first. And I underline the word put because it's your option. Jeremiah said, but they said we won't do it. It's your option, church. It is your option to take a Sabbath, to start tithing, to say no, to put up a boundary. But if you do, put first things first. First, and when you do, God, my spouse, my kids, too many times kids trump spouse and we lose it all. Work trump, trumps spouse, kids, and we lose it all. You've got to have a priority of where things are. Money trumps God, and we wonder why we're so stressed out. Put things in the correct order. Balance them out and remove unnecessary stresses. I'll give you a couple questions to answer in your mind. Not out loud. Where does your mind go when you wake up and you go to sleep? First thing you think about, last thing you think about. First thing you think about, last thing you think about. It may be those are areas of stress you need to work through. 
Number three, I'm going to live with a, I'm going to find my purpose. I'm going to put things, first things first. And lastly, I'm going to look at what I can't see. I love writing, writing sentences that don't make sense. Because to the natural mind, that's a stupid phrase. Look at things I can't see. So you've got to realize, I've got to see something in that that is not natural. The things the Bible is walking us through here to get a stress-free environment, a stress-free holiday season, are things that don't come naturally to us, and they're not going to be logical. So if you're left brain and you're trying to work through this thing and you need numbers and you need, it's going to be really hard. But you've got to look at what you can't see. 2 Corinthians tells us this. Paul wrote, therefore, we do not lose heart. Don't give up. Don't walk away. Don't hate the holidays. Don't quit trying. Though outwardly, you may feel like you're wasting away. But inwardly, you can be renewed day by day. For our light and momentary stresses and troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Okay, Paul, tell me how to do that. How do we do it? We fix our eyes not on what is seen but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Here's the key. Get your mind on heaven. Get your mind on when I give a legacy offering, when I participate in angel tree, when I set up chairs, when I go out of my way to teach kids, I'm investing into eternity. There is not a monetary number that can return to you here on earth and pay you back for what your investment is going to be in heaven. You've got to look with your eyes that can't see. You've got to look at things that you can't see naturally and look, oh, I know that what I'm doing is going to pay off in heaven. And it may not pay you off. It will, I can tell you that another time. But it may be that it gets somebody else there. It creates some space. What if you give a girl from Angel Tree a gift and she sees on there the Avenue Church and in five years she brings that baby back here or to another church and she goes, I remember when I was 14 and pregnant and didn't know what to do and somebody gave me diapers and it said at the bottom some church, I don't have a clue who they are. But today I'm dedicating this child. Not here, maybe. Who knows? It doesn't matter because we're investing into eternity. You want to lower stress? Stop looking around and comparing yourself to everything you see with your natural eyes. And begin to look into eternity. Stand with me. Let me give you words of Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to let you go. John 14, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled and stressed. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, in heaven, there are many rooms. If it wasn't this way, if it wasn't so, I wouldn't have told you. But I am going to prepare this place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me. That where I am, you may be also. These are words of comfort. These are words that pick you up. These are words that carry you through. I think if I went around the room this morning, if I passed out a card and said, name your stress, nobody would be absolved. It would be, how many do you want to know, Pastor? And I'd fill out my card. 
the stress of carrying a church, the stress of being a husband, being a father, the stress of picking up and going when I know I messed up, like the stress of just, okay, had that conversation again, going to try it again. The pressure, pressure to all kinds of things. But I know he's preparing a place, a pressure-free, stress-free environment. It's unseen right now, but I got my name on a room in heaven. Pray with me. God, I thank you that in this moment right now, you may not move in this place and remove all the stresses on us, but you have a peace that you can give us in it. And a joy is available that doesn't make any sense. We can find in you because we begin to look at what we can't see. Deliver that to your people. God, I pray for the person who right now needs to take a step, a hard step towards debt-free living, towards tithing, towards honoring the Sabbath, towards one of these principles that we're violating that are out of whack, that we have struggled with because the the logic doesn't add up. But God, we're going to take you at your word. Somebody here today, a group of people are just saying, today is a day. I'm going to do it. Now, maybe somebody here today says, you know what, I've been carrying this thing, this this guilt, this shame, this addiction, this whatever it might be, you define it your way all year long, and it cannot enter next year with me. God, I pray that we would prioritize and we would be able to enjoy remembering why Jesus came to save his people from their sin. Father, we thank you for all of your blessings. Strengthen your people with a resolve. Lord, that we won't give up. But we will continue through. Lord, we'll rest, relax, consider all you've done. In Jesus' name. Keep your eyes closed for a moment. And let me pray for the person that's here today. That today you say, I need to start somewhere with Jesus. I I don't know who you're talking about. I want to. Or maybe you've grown far away from him and you need to come back. You need to restart. You need to do over. Across this room, we're going to pray. Those watching online, we're going to pray out loud. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And in the prayer, it's simply a place that you can connect to God in your way for yourself. I'll just give you the words to say. You can use them. You can use other words. However, you're starting a relationship with God today and saying, Jesus, come into my life and make me new. And you're making that the logical exchange. It's simple yet so significant. All of your sin for him is your Savior. And from now on, you submit to him leading your life. If you want to pray that prayer, make that decision, take that step, pray it with us across this room. Pray it out loud. Say, Jesus, come into my life and save me from my sins. Forgive me and make me new. Be my Lord, my leader, and my Savior. I am submitted to you. Lead my life in every area. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, church. Put your hands together and celebrate. God's doing some amazing things.